to talk about something different because because I feel like a lot of people maybe if they're in Victoria they might have a look at you know the MPL women's in Victoria and if you're in Sydney you might look there but we like to cover all the bases yeah and uh the first person we'll be speaking to today commentator the game you might hear his uh voice on our intro you hear him occasionally talking about Melina uh oh Melina Reyes. Melina Reyes, thank you. Just the name. You've spoken to her. I have never spoken. You have. She's lovely. She's lovely. Um, And uh, we hear him on Channel Ten on Paramount, and that's none other than Teo Pelizzeri. Teo, can you? Thank you for joining us. And uh, how are you? What do you mean, Melina Reyes? I was meet him up one nil, isn't it? I thought you were the Teresa Polias guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm mistaken. I'm mistaken. But you know. If 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 Taylor had got that meet my goal, I feel like Taylor would have done a, a better job at that one. Was, if you haven't seen that, the have you bit, seen the goal? This is the bit about this show that did, like fascinates me no end is that we have a piece of commentary in the intro that yeah. you don't even like that much. Be like, yeah, no, I, can I be honest? When that intro was made, I objected to it, but we did need <laughs> we did need to fill that time. If you've seen that goal, you know that commentary is not that that goal deserves uh, a little. bit oh, of I always assumed it was a penalty. So. No, it was a sensation. Taylor right. was a sensational goal, was it not? I'm sure it was Pakua, but oh, hey, on. you know, it's your intro. It was Maybe we need to fix it. But uh Teo, you were commentating that uh the final between MacArthur Rams and uh the Northern Tigers. How did you first of all, how did you find the game and uh you know, can you take us through it? Well, I actually said after ninety minutes in the gap between full time and the start of extra time that to be remembered as a great grand final, it probably needed a goal because nil-all draws don't live long in the memory. And unfortunately, I think the spectacle deserved a goal. But if, if not for the performance of Morgan Aquino, uh, then we we would have had many goals and it would have been quite a one-sided game and it may not have lived long in the memory other than for the winners, MacArthur, for very different reasons. But we went to a penalty shootout and I think that it would have been highway robbery had the Northern Tigers found a way to do it. They did get better as the game went on and Grace Gill, who very generously drove from Canberra to Sydney and back to commentate the game with me. Uh, I, I asked her during extra time, should the Northern Tigers take the risk of taking Malia Steinmetz out of the centre of defence, pushing her up the park, try to win it rather than settle for the lottery of penalty kicks? And Grace was of the opinion that Northern Tigers were starting to take over the game and didn't need to take that sort of a risk. But ultimately, they, they might be kidding themselves that they survived a, a barrage of chances and then didn't maybe do enough to try and win it without simply settling for a penalty shootout at the end of the game. But look, it, it was an entertaining day. The crowd was pretty modest at kickoff, but actually built up quite significantly in seats that were empty at kickoff were full by sort of the end of the first half. And, you know, beautiful weather, a really good day out. And, and I think MacArthur a deserving champion, given that third and fourth beat first and second in the semifinals. And it, it really was two of the maybe less heralded teams in terms of name recognition that ended up squaring off in the decider. Indeed, and all of that culminated in uh, in what was a, a pretty exciting penalty shootout. I mean, you can tell it's a good penalty shootout when you have a particular penalty that somehow manages to smack <laughs> off both posts. I mean, tell us uh, about the the craziness of, uh, of that shootout, because I know Pakua was furiously messaging me during that penalty shootout, being like, what is happening? It's just, it's got to be the penalty shootout, just the, the best piece of sporting drama. Absolutely. Like, for me, there is just no contest. Nothing grips me more than a penalty shootout. And uh, th- this one, Teo, I thought was, was no exception. Yeah, and I've never been a disliker of penalty shootouts. Often many games that go to extra time, you almost feel owed a penalty shootout for having gone the extra 30 minutes. But I, I actually do think that 
maybe it would have been more fitting had the game had a goal to remember it by rather than a penalty getting saved. I think it's pretty rough justice for Abby Green, who ultimately took the penalty which Sham Karmas saved to win MacArthur the championship. You talk about Darcy, uh, not Darcy, Madison McComiskey's uh, penalty that hit both posts. It was uh, one of those hair-raising moments, but it's not just that it hit both posts. It's that the ball, as it sort of bounced across the goal line, reared up unexpectedly off the paint of the goal into the other post on its way in. And amongst the twists and turns, we had Kylie Ledbrook, the former Matilda, former Olympian and, and World Cup player for the national team and a very long-time W League era player for Sydney FC. She stepped up to take her last kick before retiring and, and it got saved. So she ends up on the winning team, but goes out, you know, perhaps grateful to her teammates for pulling through and saving the day in that shootout. But even though Morgan Aquino was the hot hand during the game, she did only save the one penalty in the shootout, converted her own spot kick as well, going as taker number five, but ultimately ended up as the best on ground medalist in the losing team. I was, when Morgan Aquino stepped up to take that penalty, I was so anxious because I just, I have this expectation when goalkeepers come up, I feel like they should be number 10 or number 11. And I get very anxious about it. But she took that penalty quite well. So overall in that game, she was exceptional. But is that something that we've you should come to expect from her throughout the this season? Or is that kind of like a once-in-a-blue-moon kind of a performance? Well, well, these are the highs and lows of her career. You might remember when she was at the Brisbane Raw, there was a Thursday night game. I can't remember who it was against because I wasn't commentating it myself. But she was out of this world making some incredible saves in that game too. And she's bounced around. You know, she's from WA, had gone to, to Brisbane and didn't quite work out there. And now going back to Perth, but Sarah Langman is also there. So they've got a genuine competition between two mm. goalkeepers that could probably quite capably be a number one. But are they sort of like, a you know, a 90% of the way to being a number one rather than an unquestioned number one? And that means they'll have a genuine battle. So it, it would be kind of a shame if, if Sarah Langman has a healthy and, and well-performed season. That won't be the last time we see Morgan Aquino until next NPL season, which seems kind of wild given the league is getting a team bigger. And we're also going to have a number of foreign goalkeepers, particularly from America, coming over to play in the A-League Women's this summer. Mm. Well, Morgan was obviously one of a a number of A-League Women's contracted players who featured not just throughout the New South Wales NPL season, which we know is the sort of uh, the the mecca, I guess, of um, off-season for for A-League Women's players, but plenty of them playing in this grand final. Were there any of those other than Morgan, obviously, because she's the one who's taken all the headlines, who, who really stood out to you in this game? Uh, not really. I, I think the, the most attractive thing about this grand final was it was a battle of fringe players and the unproven. The vast majority of players with A-League women's experience that played in the grand final had 20 appearances or less. Mm. So we're talking two or three seasons in the system and not established first-team players, the likes of Izzy Gomez for Northern Tigers, who's played for Wanderers, didn't work out there, is now gone to Wellington Phoenix for another chance. Uh, Bethany Gordon, who you're getting on this show, has been to Canberra and Newcastle, has been released from Newcastle, and her next club that she'll wander over to is just around the corner. And then someone even like a, a Patty Charolambus, who has always been from New South Wales, but could only get an opportunity, ever only ever get an opportunity in Western Australia with the Perth Glory in a couple of different stints. I mean, so... They're players that also had something to prove because they've never been first choice or household names in the A-League women's when they've been there. They've always been trying to prove themselves. And I think it was also a story of of those on the outside that are still trying to get a contract. I mean, we mentioned Madison McComiskey. This is someone who's been in college for the last couple of years in the United States, but 
is tall, is clearly athletic, has a good leap, knows how to read the ball in the air for a centre-back, which is priceless. And I'm at a bit of a loss as to, you know, how she hasn't been announced and signed by someone yet, it seems as though in a position where we are particularly short on Australian talent. Um, someone like Madison McConaughey would be a godsend for their team. And, you know, if you're kind of looking at the league expanding, we've got Central Coast coming in next year. I don't see why someone like a Laura Murtagh, who plays as a winger for the MacArthur Rams, or someone like a, a Beth Bernardi, who's a central midfielder kind of box-to-box for the Northern Tigers, why they won't be getting a look, even if they are in sort of their mid-20s and they're no longer young prospects coming through. And then, for say, like in terms of the NPL New South Wales, people don't like particularly watch it as, as often. Do you think a, the, a big strength of it is that sides like MacArthur and the Northern Tigers are able to win the league when you've got a lot, a lot of these other teams like Sydney Olympic just who are got heaps and heaps of A-League women's um, talent in their squads? The, the fact that these kind of sides are winning the competition? Well, I think the, the main thing you notice about football in New South Wales is uh, it is just an adult league. There are so many more players playing into their mid-20s, uh, normally when you would expect a full-time job to get in the way. I think particularly in Victoria, it's, it's caused a lot of players to just drop down the leagues. You look below the, New, the Victorian NPL, you look at the Premier League, which is the second tier, or State League 1, the third tier, and it's filled with XW League players, it's filled with XNPL players that just can't commit to training three nights a week that can get arguably the same or better money for a less strenuous commitment. Whereas I think in New South Wales, the, the pyramid seems to be taking care of uh, players to an extent. Uh, I mean, this, there's no scientific or, or data evidence uh, for me to back this up other than simply you go to a game and the teams are just older. There are so many fewer children, really, players under the age of 18 that are regularly starting in this league. You see plenty of kids come off the bench and a lot of teams have their squad depth t- tested during the course of the year. But I think the standard is just the result of players are retained for longer. And, you know, I, just the other day I was shocked to find out that Laura Speranovic is only 30. And in this grand final, we had Lena Karmas, who's, you know, my age, sort of 34, 35, and Kylie Ledbrook, who's similar, still playing in the veteran years of their careers. And, and that's just such a rarity that you see down in the Victorian NPL. So whether it's the money, the environment, whether it's just the, the culture of the clubs, it's able to retain players for longer. And I think that speaks to why the standard is so good because it's it's harder for young players to break in, but also it retains good players for a lot longer. And in terms of those kinds of players that are have played through this season, who are kind of the standouts that we will continue to see their faces as we head into this um, A-League women's season? Look, I, I think there's been some good prospects who've popped up for a game here or there, but as far as like a whole season worth of performance, Claudia Chico from Arpia Leichhardt only recently turned 18. She was a Western Sydney Wanderers train-on last season, but my mail is she hasn't been retained by Wanderers. So I don't want to steal the thunder of the, the club that's going to announce them. I wouldn't want to nix their press release when they do send it out. But I do think that she'll be a bit of a revelation and she'll be one of those players that when we see her, everyone's going to say, oh, wait a minute, how did she slip under our nose? And maybe it's my fault for watching the games. I don't know. Um, and, and then... There's another player here who won the gold medal, Rola Butterwea. Her backstory is she's an American, um, went to Italy to play for Roma, so she's played in a top league, and she moved to Australia because I believe her boyfriend slash partner is a water polo player for Sydney University. I think that was the backstory. 
And she finished only two goals behind Shea Connors in the Golden Boot Race and ended up winning the gold medal. So even though she would count as a foreign player, her performances over the course of the entire season, sort of both footed, scored, I think, 13 for the season, eight on the left, um, and then what would that be, five on the right, from outside the box, the ability to combine with Holly Caspers, who scored 10 goals of her own for Sydney Uni. She was a standout for sure and a deserved medalist. And, and just on Caspers, she was coming back from an ACL last summer at Canberra United, so scored only the one goal. I, I don't think started a game, only played as a super sub. This summer, she's one to watch who's going to explode, but again, she hasn't actually uh, announced what club she's going to. All I do know is that Canberra won't be retaining her where she was last season. Well, you've sort of touched on it a little bit there. Some of the uh, the A-League women sort of um, comings and goings in, in the transfer market have been, have been very hush-hush. Some things are now sort of under the cover of darkness or in batches. But of what's been confirmed, of what you have seen, maybe a little bit of what you've heard as well, are there any particular A-League women's sides who have um, caught the eye with their, with their transfer activity? Yeah, Sydney FC buried the lead on signing two of the best players in the offseason. I think they announced 15 players at once, and they just they just very quietly hid that Deborah Ann Delahark had signed from Perth and Kirsty Fenton had signed from Newcastle. And it's like, okay, um, th- these two players definitely deserve a bit of shine here because they've lost Ali Green to Norway. They've lost Jessica Nash to victory. So they had a couple of gaps in their defence that needed to be filled. Kirsty Fenton is someone who I've sung the praises on on the National Curriculum podcast or on my own social media when the Under-20 Women's World Cup was on. I think she's a sensation. I really do think she could be in the national team, the senior national team right now due to the level of talent and dynamism that she has. And for, for Newcastle to let someone, a homegrown local that's lived in Newcastle all their life, to let her walk, I, I'm bewildered. A Newcastle, you know, are they trying to compete... You know, what you want is to compete and to win. And the way you compete and win is every year you stop volunteering your best players to Sydney FC. Uh, Claire Wheeler took the same path, Newcastle to Sydney. Courtney Vine went to Western Sydney Wanderers. Now is at Sydney FC and is one of the best players in the league. And uh, Canberra have had it happen with a bunch of players as well who maybe they're from Sydney, they go down to Canberra for a year, or maybe they start in Canberra and Sydney FC just comes in and says, yep, I'll have you, you and you. Thank you very much. And, and at some point or another, Sydney is just the ship of Theseus. It doesn't matter who leaves. They replace the plank, in this case possibly, even with better planks. So they picked up two of the best players in the offseason. And even if Remy Simpson doesn't come back from Sweden and they have to replace her goals from somewhere, I think they're going to have one of the best defences in the league. They've got Jada Wyman, uh, who's going to be back in goals. They, it's funny, she did some kit modelling for Sydney FC today, even though I don't believe they've announced her signing for the season. So I think you can take it as I think you can take it as red that if she's modelling the kit, uh, she's going to be back in Sky Blue for the season. That, that's, 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 this is my thing. I, oh, this is why I love kit, the kit releases because I always every time I see a player there, I'm like, well, that is as good as a re-signing yeah, announcement. Yeah, that's what I mean, if you're going to announce 15 players uh, at once signing for your club, maybe the re-signings just get buried in in the kit announcement absolutely. as well. I mean. You mentioned in there uh, Canberra. Now, Canberra is a team who have fascinated me, probably Pakura as well, with their transfer business, albeit purely for uh, self-interested reasons, given the amount of players they've signed from NPL Victoria. What, what do you make of um, some of the, the talents they, they've plucked from the, uh, the the lesser appreciated of the, of the state NPLs? You know, I suspect that this might be them showing their hand uh, that now that the A-League women's is getting longer, you can take on project players. 
Normally, the expectation with an A-League women's or a W-League season is it's a short super series. You sign who you think is going to get you results in the next 10 weeks or 12 weeks or last season for the first time it was 14 weeks. This year, it's up to 20. It's the biggest jump in terms of the number of games we've ever seen, and next year it'll be 22. And the expectation is that A-League women's is now going to become the primary football home of these players as opposed to a short series over summer and then their primary football home is the NPL. So when I see an Emily Roach or a Holly Murray signing for Canberra United, I think this is a multi-year development project for those players as opposed to go out and win us something right now. Negos Popovic is, I'm sure you'll have him on for an interview at some point. He's a fascinating guy. He is a lovely man. He's kind of a genuine statesman of the game. Uh, I'm I'm still a little dubious as to the talent that they're assembling in Canberra. I'm, it's like my nice way of saying I can't see them making the top four. But um, one thing that really hurts them is they signed Grace Jale and Beck Burrows, and then shortly after Beck Burrows tore her ACL and will be out for the entire season. So that's a pretty devastating blow to commit to one of your import players and then have them get injured months before the season even kicks off. So they've still got plenty of gaps on the roster to fill Canberra. And uh, as with many of the teams, when it comes to predicting the latter, who they sign from overseas will probably dictate, you know, could they finish as low as 10? Could they finish as high as fifth or sixth and be giving the finals a, a good shake? I think if you get your foreign players right, that really determines where you'll finish. Uh, if you're outside what I suspect is going to be a big two, Mel- or a big three, Melbourne Victory, Sydney FC and Adelaide United, all of whom have largely retained the core of their teams that got them into the finals last season. And we'll complement that by bringing in top international players. See, Terry, when you said Adelaide United, I got very excited because I'm a big fan of Adelaide United and I'm, I enjoyed a lot of their work they did last season, them in Perth Glory. They were two of my favourites of the, you know, didn't make the finals, but um, the grand final. Well, just just on Adelaide Pekua, yeah. they haven't announced, I don't believe, Nanako Sasaki yet, but she was in their kit launch too. So Mate, I think we can take it. We can take it. We Absolutely. can take it as read that she's back. Kit launches. That's the new uh, press release for. It's just the new re-signing, it's, I guess. It's the new re-signing, and we look forward to many more and uh, more kit releases. More kit releases. <laughs> <laughs> so I've liked some of the kits we've, we've yeah, seen uh, so far. But um, Teo, thank you for joining us and. Uh, we will have you back on to the, you know, when we do a season preview of the. It's Ailey. an order. It's not even a request. Exactly, it's an order. Yeah. You, you have to come on. Um, it's when we, you know, talk breakdown of what to expect <laughs> for the upcoming A League Women's season. And uh, thank you for making time for us on on, on this show. Uh, a pleasure, and uh, thank thank you to both of you for having me on. And any time.